0: This is the Poison Terminator podcast. My name is Carlo Diolim. Today we will talk about a study published in the Journal of Medical Toxicology. This study reports that a 32-year-old woman had symptoms associated with high blood lead levels after using a ceramic mug and maca root powder supplement. One of the author, Dr. Kelly Johnson-Arbor, is here to tell us more about the study. Dr. Johnson-Arbor is a medical toxicologist at the National Capital Poison Center in Washington, D.C., and also at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the show, Dr. Johnson-Arbor. Thank
1: you so much. I'm so happy to be here today.
0: High blood lead levels were first observed when the patient was using a ceramic mug. How was the source of uh, lead exposure determined in this case?
1: Well... This was a tough case because the patient initially came in because her daughter was discovered to have high lead levels when her daughter was a baby. Um, In D.C., children have to be tested before the age of two for lead and so the daughter was found to have high lead levels on routine testing. When the daughter's lead levels were found to be high, then the parents were tested and the father's lead levels weren't too high but the mother's lead levels were quite elevated and so that's when she was sent to me. So when she came to me, we did a very careful evaluation of any potential ways that she could have been exposed to lead and the... um one of the things that came up was we were concerned about the water. So the family um, called the District of Columbia, the local health department came out and they tested the water in her house and the water actually tested negative for lead. And then somehow in conversation they discussed with the, the, um, the representative who came out for testing that while this lady was pregnant, she had drank hot lemon water every day because of some constipation that she was having. And so when the, um, the health department tested the particular drink- drink that she had been using, the hot lemon water, that was when it was discovered that the lead levels in that particular sample of water were very high. And then we looked into it further and discovered that the mugs were the likely source of it in combination with the hot water and the acidity of the drink that she was using.
0: Why why does ceramic mugs contain lead?
1: So this is really interesting. So... So ceramic mugs frequently have a glaze on them. And the glaze gives them that color and it makes them shiny. And, you know, we all love bright, shiny things, right? So a lot of the times, lead is added as part of the glazing process. And what the lead does is it actually the lead that I'm sorry that the product can be glazed at um if the glazing is done correctly so if the temperature is not low enough or as in this case if the lead glaze breaks down over time then that can cause a problem
0: can we say that all ceramic mugs contain lead
1: I can't say that for with certainty, since I don't know how every ceramic mug is made. Um, the particular mugs in this case were bought at a just commercial U.S. retailer that many of us shop at on a regular basis. Um, and in this case, you know, the, the, there was lead in the glaze, and it wouldn't have been an issue if it hadn't broken down over time.
0: Can we absor- absorb lead contained in the mug through the skin?
1: Not really. Lead is not well absorbed through the skin. Most people are absorbed to lead either through inhalation of the lead dust or through actually ingestion of the lead as happened in this case.
0: Are ceramic uh, mugs safe to use if we don't use uh, hot water?
1: Well, that's a great question, and it actually depends. I think overall in the U.S., the U.S. Food and Drug Administration actually has standards for the amount of lead that can be present in um, dishes, including mugs. So, in general, products purchased in the U.S. are most likely safe. Um, And, you know, I think we just have to be wise about using products that are older because over time the glaze can break down any, you know the the product itself can become chipped and cracked so the issue is that you know we need to be careful using older ceramic mugs because that's when the, the, when the problems can happen however outside of the US It is actually quite common um, or not uncommon to hear of cases where people have been exposed to lead through use of ceramic-glazed cooking vessels, um, utensils, mugs, pottery. So, for example, there have been many cases of... um, lead leaching from ceramic dishes from Mexico, for example. So, I think we, we always are concerned when I see a patient, I'm always concerned about whether they're using imported products because those products can be much more likely to be a source of lead exposure.
0: One year later, the patient's blood lead levels were up again. What was the reason for this second increase in blood lead levels?
1: This is really interesting. So I followed this patient for about 19 months, and over time, her lead levels went way down. Um, Then about... about a year after the fact as you said her lead levels started to creep up again and so again I you know I started from scratch with her and her family you know trying to figure out what other things she was exposed to at this point the lead levels didn't go up a huge amount but it was enough to make me concerned that there was something else that she was being exposed to um, during the course of the conversation with her she revealed that she had been using some natural products um, to try to help because she was tired she was a new mother she was tired and so she was using mock. The powder to enhance um, her energy levels. And she had actually looked up online and found that maca powder may have lead in it. And so that's how we initially got concerned that perhaps the maca that she was using was the, was the source of her rising lead level the second time around.
0: Is it a common thing to find lead in, in maca s- supplements?
1: The supplements are generally not tested for lead, which is a problem with supplements in general because you never really know what you're getting. Maca is grown at a high altitude, and it may just be that the soil the maca is grown in is high, has a high concentration of lead. Um, if you do a general Internet search for maca and lead, like this person did, like my patient did, you will find reports here and there of maca being um, contaminated with lead. However, I don't know of any particular research other than my current article that has actually tested a particular product. So in this case, we actually took the product that she had, she brought it into my clinic and we sent it off for testing and it was determined that the particular product that she had purchased, again from a very common online U.S. retailer, that product did did contain lead. What
0: were the clinical signs and symptoms observed after both exposures?
1: really have many signs or symptoms. Adults frequently do not manifest signs or symptoms of lead toxicity at lower levels as, as she ha- was having. So, her maximum levels, I think, were in the 40s. And um, at that level, children can certainly be, be symptomatic, but adults don't always have symptoms. When, the second time around, when her levels were in the 9 to 10 range, she had no symptoms at all.
0: What are the symptoms that we can, that we can see in lead poisoning?
1: Um, it varies. It can definitely vary. Lead definitely is a neurotoxin. So, in children, for example, children with acute lead poisoning might have um, problems with the way they're acting. So they might become very irritable. They might, in some cases, even become sleepy and comatose. Um, lead will also cause high blood pressure in adults. So, adults will frequently present with high blood pressure. It's, um, adults may also have neurologic effects from lead. Sometimes sometimes headaches, sometimes um, neuropathy, so they'll have, for example, difficulty with muscle function and one or more of their extremities. Um, Lead can also cause GI symptoms, so in children especially, children can become constipated or have abdominal pain after experiencing lead exposure.
0: How did the blood lead levels uh, come back to a normal in, in this patient?
1: So in this patient, we were very careful with her um, because she wanted to become pregnant again. And I knew that I wanted her to maintain a lead level of less than five um, to make sure that she was um, safe enough to get pregnant again. So we followed her on a regular basis and we made sure that she discontinued the use of maca and all of the other supplements that she was considering using. Um, and we followed her and her lead levels did come down very nicely and I do have some additional follow-up on her. Her levels stayed low she, and she was able to get pregnant again and has, now she has two healthy babies.
0: Is reduction of exposure the main treatment in uh, lead exposure?
1: Absolutely. So, reduction of exposure and also identification of the exposure source is extremely important because if, for example, a child is exposed and the child does not have the source of the exposure eliminated, then the exposure will go on. and. Even if the child is treated, they're still going to be exposed. So one of the most difficult things in lead, however, is trying to identify the source of exposure because it doesn't always jump out at you. It's not always the water or the um, supplements or the you know, the retained bullet fragments. Um, lead can kind of sneak into our lives in ways that we don't really expect. Um, there have been reports of lead contamination from imported makeup. I've had patients who came in with imported spices from foreign countries that were full of lead. So sometimes it can be very hard to determine exactly where the lead is coming from.
0: What's your advice for people who don't know that they're exposed to high levels of lead?
1: So one of, I guess, the best thing about lead is that we can test for it very easily in the body. So if people are concerned about possible exposure to lead they can go, they can call the poison center, first of all, in the U.S. we have a number 1-800-222-1222, it's a toll-free number, you can call 24-7 and talk to a live person. We also have a um, web-based app that you can use called webpoisoncontrol.com for poisoning questions and in most cases, if people go to their primary care doctors, you can get a blood lead level taken and that's a, it's a simple blood test and that will show the amount of lead in your body.
0: In the article, there's a mention of a medical toxicology clinic. Uh, do you work in a medical toxicology clinic?
1: I do. I have a medical toxicology clinic at MedStar Georgetown University Hospital in Washington, D.C., and I see patients who have been poisoned or, or who are concerned that they're being poisoned, either acutely or chronically, and I see patients on a weekly basis.
0: And uh, what kind of service uh, patients can get at uh, this clinic?
1: So, every patient's a little bit different. Some patients want testing for a particular toxin, whether it's lead or arsenic or mercury. Um, Some patients want counseling on how to avoid exposure to particular toxins as well. I also do um, follow-ups of patients who have been poisoned with carbon monoxide. And we can do some specialized testing. So, for some of the heavy metals, um, you know, lead is pretty easy to test for in the body, but some of the other metals are more difficult to test for, and a lot of primary care physicians don't really know how to test for them so that's um, that's where I come in and as a medical toxicologist I can help try to narrow down what chemical or what toxin somebody may or may not have been exposed to and then refer them for the appropriate testing and then follow up on that testing and then treat them if needed
0: are there uh, medical toxicology clinics in uh, most uh, US cities
1: um, Major cities frequently will have a clinic, there's, there's not a lot of clinics however, so not every toxicologist has a clinic associated with their practice. Um, the American College of Medical Toxicologists or acmt.org, I believe is their website, does have a list of toxicology clinics that people can refer to online to find a toxicologist in their area.
0: We always like to know our guest after we finish the, discussing the topic at hand. Uh, Is there an, an event in your life or a specific reason that led you to follow the career path that you have followed?
1: So that's a really interesting question. I was actually just talking about this um, since I'm at the Poison Center today, and I was talking with some of our residents about this. So when I was, I did a residency in emergency medicine, and one of my most interesting cases was a family who lived in New York, where I was a resident at, um, and the family, the, there, were, there were children that somehow got into some antifreeze and drank antifreeze. And they were far away, they were very remote Um, and far away from any hospital and so the antidote for antifreeze poisoning involves either a specific medication called flamepazole, which is only available in the hospital setting or you can also use alcohol and so in this case we actually just gave the children alcohol, um, I can't recall what type, I think it might have been some bourbon or something to, um, to use as an antidote until they could get to the hospital and the kids did fine, everyone did fine and that was when I really first got interested in toxicology and said, hey, maybe I should do a a fellowship to learn more about it. And I really loved my toxicology practice. I think it's great. I love my job, and I have so much fun treating my patients.
0: Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Johnson-Arbor, for taking the time to be with us today to talk about this interesting case study.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I I love talking about toxicology.
0: That's all for this week. I'm the Poison Terminator. I'll be back soon with another episode. Have a great day.